Hey everyone, welcome to episode 41 of the Melanin Minute, a dope podcast by two brown cats talking about comic books, hip-hop, movies, and everything in between. I am Shabbat Sazia. And I am, as I've always been, Morgan Hampton. Mm. It's been it's been a long while since uh since I first uh stepped to with a dope beat. I just, I just murdered those lyrics too. You murdered them. Like not like you killed them. Like not uh Timbo is uh is like dead. he's like coughing somewhere, like what the fuck what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh listen. <clears throat> Before we get into the main review, let's talk about some uh, trizailers that dropped. Trizzy, uh, trizzy, trizzy, trizzy. Specifically okay. two um, that okay. I wanted to, to gab about a little bit. Um, I think I've seen everything so far. Because being at the convention, like like going to a con, you miss a lot of news. You oh, yeah. know? Tell us about but your... Uh, see... Before we get that, oh, tell yeah. us about your uh, New York Comic Con experience. New York Comic Con uh, seems like it's a big deal. Like It's like second to, to it's, it's... SDCC now. It, it it really is like it's the it's the biggest con like on the east coast um and i it actually felt a little bit bigger than san diego did um this was the first year i've done both or i, I hadn't done either before this year um but san diego is a lot more how would you put it i'm not going to say new york is disorganized but san diego the convention center in san diego is just like a giant tube right so you're just kind of mm-hmm. walking in two directions the entire time. Um, San Diego is more the convention center is like a square, you know, like a, it's like a plot of land, um, like on a city, a couple city blocks, but it's like more of a, of a square shape than it is kind of a rectangle at San Diego. Um, and they have thing they had things at different venues, which they did at San Diego as well. But the things at different venues in San Diego didn't necessarily require you to have a pass or like a you know a lanyard or whatever but in new york they had things like at the public library um they had things at um madison square garden oh cool like they had things kind of all over manhattan um so sometimes you would have to leave the convention center to go to a panel um so it was cool um it was new york in general like i don't have a problem with this but it's easily the most people i've ever seen in my entire life oh yeah i'm sure like i I wasn't really prepared. Like I knew New York was was crazy, but like I don't understand how, in the best way possible, I don't understand how people live there. Like not like that I couldn't do it. Just like it doesn't even make sense to be honest with you. Like there are so many people in New York, and I know there were a lot of extra people there for the convention or whatever. But it, mm-hmm. there just seems to be a lot more people than there is like land. <laughs> so like it, it kind of it's kind of crazy how so many people live there. Like it's super condensed. You know, they don't, um, you know, they don't, everyone jaywalks out there. Right. So, you know, out here in California, I don't know how it is in, in Houston, but in California, you're like, you'll get a ticket in a heartbeat if someone catches you jaywalking. Where in, in New York, that's just how you commute if you're not in a car. Right. So, like, like if you're in a car, you, it's going to take you longer to get somewhere. So, I, I wasn't near a subway. So I get I didn't get a chance to take one, but I, from my understanding, that's really the way to get around because, um, walking you can do it, but it takes time, and then driving is just almost pointless. Right, like, you're just gonna be like, stuck. It's just there's so much traffic with all the other lifts and Ubers and taxis, and then there's so many people in the streets that like turning is ridiculous. Like when you're trying to turn onto another street, because like no passengers will ever let you turn. Um, so like me and my, my friend from BNP, we were staying in, in New Jersey. So the, um, the convention center is in, it's in New York, but on the Hudson river. Okay. And we were in New Jersey on the Hudson river. So the only thing separating us was a tunnel to go from underneath, um, Jersey to New York. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but it took us sometimes depending on what time of day, whereas it should have taken us maybe like five minutes, it would take us like an hour to get through that tunnel. Okay. Um, it was fucking ridiculous. Um, and then, but no, the convention was super fun. Um, I, this was my first time really meeting. I met someone in San Diego from BNP, but this is the first time I've met like a big chunk of them. Um, so that was nice to kind of like put some faces, heights, heights and faces and voices to names and all that type of stuff. And, uh, we did things kind of as a group, which was cool. We did a meetup on, uh, last Friday with that, um, 
that other site that's kind of like her. It's called Geeks of Color. Right, um, right. Who I I'd heard of, and I I think I followed um, Dorian Parks, who's like their their main dude who works at Collider. Right. Um, it was kind of funny because like I didn't even know we were doing that meetup until like the day I got to New York. And you're like, so oh, that cool. was a pleasant that was a pleasant surprise. Like we that was all a hung nice out, crossover. Uh, yeah, and made some cool connections with a few of them. Um, one of them lives out here in the Bay. Um, oh, really? Like on Sunday. Sunday was my um, my Explore New York day. So you were wearing your Tim's on extra tight that day? No, actually, uh, I. Like funny, I didn't see really any Tim's the entire time I was there. So it's a lie. I think, I think I don't know. I don't think it's a lie. I That's think it's just, East Coast I propaganda. No, I think it's just it's concentrated to certain neighborhoods. Like a lot of them that live there were telling me like we'll just, we'll take you. I think to the Bronx, which is where where it really is like that. Like everybody you see, it's where Tim's. I was like, we were strictly just close to the convention center in the touristy area. So everyone that we were seeing were either tourists like us or just like dressed up in cosplay or whatever. So there mm-hmm. weren't really um, any Tims. Um, but on Sunday, yeah, that's when I um, I kicked it with some of the people from Geeks of Color. We went to um, Central Park, which is huge. Um, and then a little bit of Times Square, um, which is also like... Times Square is not huge, but there's a high concentration of people there. Mm-hmm. Like it's like zombies. Like you can't move. Right. Um, but it was cool. Um, I wish I had more time to explore. Um, I was busy, so I was mostly at the convention center. But like right. next time I go, I want to see um, like the Statue of Liberty, which is like on the other side of the city. Mm-hmm. So I would need to like take more time out during the day to go see and that. Then hop um, on the ferry. Hop on the ferry to go over there. I want to take the subway. I want to see the big ass rats eating pizza. Damn, um, some superhuman mutant rats. Yeah. Those um, rats no, are going to control was, New York City one day. No, they really are. Um it was it was a good time though. I had some went to a couple cool panels, um saw some or interviewed some people. I interviewed Scott Snyder again, which is dope. dope I had man. more time this time cuz last time when I interviewed him, we only had 5 minutes. Mm-hmm. And we had 15 this time, so I got to be more um specific with my questions. Nice. Um, I interviewed Joe Casey for a book oh, that he's sweet. writing that just came out, which is funny because when I interviewed him, when I set up the interview, I thought he was someone else. <laughs> really? So when I got to the interview, I was like, you're not who I thought you were. So I got I guess I'm just getting my white people mixed up. Um, oh, you're not I, Casey Joe. You're Joe Casey. I thought you were so Casey I, Affleck. I thought, so the book that I was interviewing f- him for was the book that I wanted to talk about. But I just thought that the writer was somebody the, else. The, the face that I corresponded with Joe Casey was actually Donnie Cates. Um, oh, OK. OK. That's a That's a I can see how not, you get I can see how you get that mixed same. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So the, the, the I'll talk a little bit about this maybe later, but. So we went to a Bendis panel because, um, you know, he's he's at uh, D.C. now. And he since he's been there, um, he's been writing like Superman, like all the Superman stuff. Do people like his Superman? I've been kind of out of the loop. Um, my friend Mikhail, who works at BNP, is reviewing it and he doesn't like it too much. Really? Uh, I don't know. If, I, I haven't read it. So I, I'm not as hard on Bendis as some people are. But I've talked a little bit about this on here. Like, he's very much a marketable writer in the way where, that he frames his stories. Like, he'll he'll end his stories in a lot of cliffhangers to kind of guarantee that you buy the next issue. But then in the next issue, it's not really directly addressed mm. what the cliffhanger was. So it just kind of makes you want to keep reading until you can get to that little thing that he was like, you know, dangling in front of you. So I can understand how that can be a little annoying when you're reading it month to month. But when you're binge reading it, like I do sometimes, like it doesn't bother me as much. Um, but apparently, he's also just kind of making some decisions that people aren't really f- fans of um, in the Superman comic. So when I read it, I'll have more to say about it. Um, but his panel um, was his spotlight panel, so it was basically um, all about him. And he announced that he's—I um, wrote an article about this for BNP. But he announced how he's. Um, curating this imprint at dc called wonder comics mm-hmm. uh which is like teen oriented like all the teen superheroes in the dc universe um and they announced a bunch of books that sound pretty dope um uh like they announced a young justice book which we haven't had in a long time and they're definitely trying to like capitalize off of the show coming back right um but it seems it seems pretty cool like the lineup is dope it's like tim drake robin 
uh, Impulse, which is Bart Allen, um, Barry Allen's great or grandson from the future, and then um, Connor Kent, who we haven't seen yet in in this Rebirth era of Super or of um, of DC. So it's cool to bring him back, but it's cool because it's Connor Kent, but he looks like '90s Superboy, like he's got the leather jacket on. I and like shit. that. I like that look. So th- that's Young Justice. Uh, there's this book called Naomi that um, he's going to be co-writing with uh, David Walker, which seems pretty interesting. Um, it's going to be about uh, this girl named Naomi who lives in the Pacific Northwest, and she's like the only black girl in her town. And then um, uh, Superman and Mongol like have a brief fight in the middle of her town, and it kind of like changes her perspective on everything. And it's, the book's going to be kind of about like that inciting incident and how it affects her going forward, which I thought was an interesting take on. It kind of reminded me a little bit about like kind of what damage control is about, how we see like the superhero world from someone's perspective who's not really in it, you know? Right. Uh, and then they announced, uh, what were the other two? Um, the Wonder Twins. <laughs> like. <laughs> Which, no, yes. The like, Wonder Twins. Like the Wonder Twins. You know, were the Wonder Twins created for the like series so. back in the. Like, cause I don't, for, the super for the Super Friends, like, <clears throat> did they not exist outside of that? Yeah, I don't believe they were ever in the comics. Um, They're the weirdest. This might be their first time. Yeah, if you don't know the the, the Wonder Twins, um, they're like alien teenage twins from outer space or whatever, who have superpowers. And one of their super one of one of the, I think the boy's superpower is to turn into any animal that he chooses, and the girl's so superpower is to turn into any form of water. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so, so weird. That's always the butt of jokes. Like, oh shit, I'm gonna turn into a lion, and she's like, I'm gonna take the form of a water bottle or some stupid shit like that. That's ridiculous. But it looks like they're playing up like that that campiness of mm-hmm. of what they represent because, um, like, it, it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun, and like the the premise of the book is it follows them like, um, uh, they're gonna be interning at the Hall of Justice, um, which seems pretty interesting. Uh, and the Hall of Justice was a big uh, staple of the. Um, Super Friends cartoon also. So it feels like it's definitely going to be calling back to that a lot. Okay. Um, well, I'm with it. The other thing they announced was Dial H for Hero, which is a classic DC title. They've re- we've revamped it a few times. There was, I think there was one during New 52 also. And what it is is um, basically they Bendis describes it as um, the rat race of the DC universe. So like everyone is, is basically chasing after this magic phone that if you dial H, it'll give you um, Super any superpowers. Okay. But the only, the only thing is you don't get to choose what the superpowers are. Random. So you dial, you dial H and it just gives you anything and it gives it to you for an hour. So everyone's always chasing after this phone. So that'll provide some cool, some different types of stakes in the superhero That's universe that cool. aren't going to be rooted in like the end of the world type shit that's some cool uh, stuff because if you got like some sort of shitty powers you're like at least it'll be over in an hour exactly um the one thing about this panel and i think the theme of the weekend in general because i didn't go to too many panels but the ones i went to all kind of had this problem um we kind of already know this but there's a diversity problem in comics <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> like sure. surprise 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 um so while I'm genuinely interested in basically every book that Bendis announced, it was really disappointing to see that um, not only was it um, 100% male, like the creative teams for all these books, um, were 100% male and only two people of color out of four books that they announced. And two of those people of color were on the same book, co-written oh. with, with Brian Michael Bendis. So that oh. name, Naomi, Naomi book about the black girl in the Pacific Northwest is being co-written by Bendis and David Walker. And then the, the artist is Jamal Campbell. Right. I saw a thing uh, about that. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it's just a little disheartening to see, um, especially when you, you think of like this whole, imp- this, this whole imprint, like the DC basically gave Bendis kind of full creative control about his whole, his own little corner of the, the DC universe. And it's, it's super male dominated and pretty white as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little disappointing for sure. Oh no, for, for, I mean, it's not a, it's not, at least people are more open or at least more vocal about it. But before I mean, it's always been an issue, but it's at least people are more vocal and, but I guess it'll take some time for change to actually. Yeah. I think the thing with, with Bendis is, um, he definitely, he understands, I think, that there needs to be 
like the diver- diversity needs to be addressed. But I think he doesn't get the full point, whereas that needs to be behind the scenes also as w- as well as what's on the page, because he's definitely been a shepherd for diverse characters in comics. Like he's a creator of Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. Miles Morales, Riri Williams. Um, now this character, Naomi. Um, but it seems like he, he has too much control once those characters are made, Right. you know, like up until now, he's really up until Saladin, um, writing, um, Miles Morales in an upcoming series. Bendis has the only one who wrote him, um, in an ongoing series. Um, and Saladin's having like like, a field day right now. Yeah, for real. Um, so I don't know, like, I don't know. Bendis, like I said, he seems to understand the diversity diversity issue to a certain extent but i think it there comes a point where you have to like give up the reins to people who are representative of the voices of the characters that you're trying to create mm-hmm. whereas i don't think he's at that point yet yeah which is disappointing to see but i mean um i think ultimately it is a step in the right direction but it's going to take a little more push to see a, a like a more i think it's it at least it's gradually changing but it still seems abundantly monolithic. Well, the problem, the problem with this Bendis imprint, though, is that you know he's big enough to make that change. Right. He, right. Is, he has enough. He hope. is a household name in the comics industry. Like he, if he suggested people to DC, they would listen. Probably. You know. Probably. And everyone that he had on this panel were basically people that he's worked with before. Right. So it was kind of like a publisher friends type of thing. Um. So I don't know. Um, we'll but see. Yeah. Uh, but you had a good time overall at New York City yeah. Comic Con. This is a great weekend. My my greatest achievement over the weekend is that I didn't spend that much money. Okay, <laughs> so you didn't come back broke either. That's still. Well, I mean, I spent money with tra- transportation, like lifting it everywhere mm-hmm. and eating. But like, I didn't spend my normal like con money, con budget that I normally That's spend. Good. So, That's which good. is good. Um. So we're gonna. Do two quick, uh, real quick, just do some quick thoughts on two trailers and then we'll jump into the review. The first okay. one um, is, let's talk about the Aquaman trailer. Yeah. Yeah, so... See, that dropped when I was in New York, so I actually didn't watch that until I got home. Yeah, I didn't but give a... wow. Yeah, I didn't give... Honestly, didn't really care at all for the Aquaman movie up until I saw that trailer. Like, I honestly, between... I was, like, indifferent. Like, it's not that I was shitting on or anything like i i'm okay with jason momoa as aquaman just because i'm not that invested in aquaman uh and and but then the trailers the first trailer that we initially saw didn't really interest me too much and everything leading up to it i was just like well we'll we'll just see i'm gonna go watch it but i'm not that hyped for it yeah after seeing that trailer i'm like yo james wan is and he says that this was just like the tip of the iceberg yep um i'm i'm with you dude like this shit has me hype it has me hype it kind of has like one part um you know indiana jones one part aquaman one part um like i don't know like uncharted i guess i don't know or like the what's the atlantis movie remember that disney one oh yeah for sure it just had like a it looked really like a fun action adventure movie um it looks a little cgi heavy but i think when you're doing atlantis that's where usually i'm like there's a lot of workarounds for that, but when you're doing an entire underwater civilization, that's going to be. I think, but I think it'll be polished by the time the movie comes out. Um, I mean, I'm yeah. not worried about it. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not going to look well. I'm not going to even say that because we have seen in the past how it could be a little shitty. But um, I'm not even too concerned about that. Just just how heavily CGI, like just how much they're using. But I think it's going to be right. a little hard to sidestep that because of what the tone in and the mm-hmm. and the content is um i think the reveal first of all black manta showing up was so cool yo yeah. black manta black manta's like translated so well oh super dude. well i'm like, like yes they went he looks so badass dude he looks really and then good. have you seen that meme I, I keep bringing it up to everyone. It was actually from the first trailer where they had um, Black Manta take off his helmet and he's like standing there like looking angry or whatever yeah. or distraught because I think it's like right when – because they're, they're seeding his like hatred for 
for Aquaman in this movie. So he's going to be the villain in the next movie. So I think someone that he cares about is going to die in this movie at the hands of Aquaman. Yeah. Um, so I think it was that 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 moment when he was taking off his helmet, kind of just like distraught after what's going on. And the meme, it was like, yo, how are you in the Aquaman movie underwater and you're black and you don't have no waves? <laughs> <laughs> He should have, I lost my shit. He has a helmet on all the time. He should have the deepest waves. Yeah. That's um, hilarious. But no, yeah, Black Manta looks dope. And then the, the, the I like the music of the trailer a lot too. Yeah. It's kind of synth. You know, I'm all I'm all down with the synth. Um uh, and then that that reveal at the end when when Aquaman is like hand, holding a trident and he's like in his like like, like what looks or, like... orange and green suit, like with the scales and everything. Like it surprisingly for being a ridiculous looking suit translated very well yeah i think just jason momoa is so badass that he can pretty much pull anything off like i think they took a special amount of like character like uh, awesomeness to because i don't think anybody could pull that outfit on no for sure so uh, and i'm happy too because actually right before we started recording today um i saw a side-by-side picture of aquaman and justice league and then aquaman from this trailer and it the, the contrast is like a lot better. It's like it's night and day, literally. Like, oh, yeah. you know, the Zack Snyder vision is just everything is so dark all the time. Um, and I hadn't realized it too much in Justice League because Justice League they had toned the colors up a little bit um, more than normal. But still, compared to the the shot of him in this trailer, like it basically looks like, looks like he's wearing black. Um, well, that armor was also one. more understated, and it was more like. Um, it more was supposed to look like almost like similar to what they did with the, um, the, what is it? The Kryptonian armor, armor, you know, oh, like, and that's sort of it's like this two toned sort of, which I didn't dislike, but I think this looks a lot better. This looks awesome. Um, yeah. So that trailer looks awesome. And I'm really, and they did a long, it was like, what it was like nine minutes. I like guess a super long. Yeah. Trailer. They gave us a lot. They gave us a lot. Um, that was really cool. And also, did you see that? And it's coming out pretty soon. The trailer for daredevil season four three um i don't i've seen one trailer i don't know if it's the same one it's the one where You've they s- introduce bullseye yeah i've seen that one where they it's like he's like he's dressed up as he's got daredevil's suit and he's like who are you he's like, I'm and that's daredevil. why daredevil's wearing his old his old no i don't suit. i don't think that's why or, i think that's why someone told me i think they went to a panel on this which would make sense about which would make sense if he, that's why he like I, I think i think what happened is bullseye stole his suit mm-hmm. like he's not dressed up as him like he stole his his um daredevil suit so that's why daredevil has to wear the black suit i well more so i thought it was that um it was more of like an like he's going back to being even more brutal like he was in the black suit because I don't think I think he's have a bit of a crisis of faith because I think I think what I'm hinting at or I'm what I'm hoping for is they're doing a little bit of the Frank Miller storyline where Kingpin basically slowly dismantles his life because I'm pretty sure he knows his identity by now yeah um but i think the introduction of bullseye and just the whole again it's it's it is for me still the strongest of the Netflix shows mm-hmm so I'm really excited for the introduction of Bullseye. And I think it's going to be a really good season. Like, I have a good feeling about it. I agree. I agree with what you're saying about him doubling down and getting more violent. Um, but I don't know if that's rooted in the suit That's what, so much. I, I, I think the, the other explanation makes a lot more sense. But I thought that yeah. that's where my sort of first interpretation came from. Because I think what it is going – I think it's exactly what you said because Kingpin kind of gets out of prison, it looks like, in this season. Uh-huh. And uh, Bullseye is kind of like working for him, but he's like under the guise of Daredevil. So the streets think that Daredevil's working for the Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matt has to basically rectify that. Yeah. Did you finish watching Iron Fist season two, by the way? I haven't even started it yet. Okay. Well, no worries. Cause I, I haven't finished it. I just hadn't, I haven't had no, it's not bad. And I guess mm-hmm. I was semi enjoying it, but I have like no interest in, actively finishing it what did you hear about what happened that they're canceling it right they're not doing yeah I don't know they're not was, doing season three well good because that yeah let's not do that i don't know why yeah let's that's a good idea because that show it just i don't know it doesn't it doesn't work for me no. even when it's not I mean, you're not I, the only one 
I liked the seconds like I was I was watching. I like uh, Davos and like I liked what they were going for. Davos should have just been Iron Fist. Like they should have just cast Davos. Seriously, it's way better. I think it's just because Danny's character, yeah, just doesn't work. So it it doesn't really work for me. Um, but I am I might just finish it just because I'm like already halfway through and just get it over with. Um, I think we're ready for our review. It's gonna be a. I'm so so excited it's gonna be a it'll be a quick review uh <laughs> listen okay but let, let's get into it we're ta- we're reviewing the new sony marvel movie uh venom 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 eyes nose pancreas so many bad reviews so many <laughs> um yeah so this movie is starting tom hardy right yeah uh Jenny Slate, is that, is that right? I like her. Yeah, you know she, you know she, she was dating Chris Evans. I do. I didn't know that. Um, they, they're like on an off again, off on again relationship. That just makes me happy. Um, Riz Ahmed, who of course we love. That's my boy. That's my boy. Um, and uh, Michelle Williams. Williams, yes, Michelle Williams. So basically, the the sort of plot of this movie is that. Eddie Brock is a journalist who was from New York and moved to San Francisco and is now like a like a hotshot. I don't even know, dude. It's really hard to explain, but it's like a TV slash. It, it doesn't make any sense. TV journalist. He's, an, he's like a, an, an investigative, investigative report, journalist. Re- like, slash rocks like slash guy who looks like he dresses out of a dumpster. Um, yep. You know. And he's sort of this sort of journalist and his wife is a lawyer and uh, the movie starts with a pretty cool opening scene. I thought it opened pretty strong. Um, it's basically a... With the, with the ship? Yeah, there's this sort of like Tesla-like company called the Life Foundation that is yeah. run and founded by Riz Ahmed's character, who was like this boy genius who created like some sort of cure for cancer when he was young. <laughs> um, and basically, he sh- he sh- he's basically trying to do the Tesla thing where he's trying to, you know, colonize outside of Earth. Yeah. Um. And he basically, one of his uh, spaceships that was on the way back, his shuttlecrafts, uh, it, it kind of uh, has some issues on the way back and it kind of uh, crash lands. And they were carrying symbiotes. Yes. Um, it's, it's, that's right. You heard me correct. Symbiotes. Do they, do they elaborate on how they got them? See, that's my question. Like, where was that shuttlecraft coming from? Because I had no idea. I'm like, yeah. did they go to a planet? Because it said like, they... they didn't... I don't, I don't think they went to another planet. Even though the symbiotes talk about coming from another planet, I don't think they went to another planet. Right. But it seemed like how it was explained that the symbiotes... Fall, by the way, full spoilers if you're listening. Um, yeah, like... Yeah. That the symbiotes were... Like, there was like a team that was coming to Earth to, to basically take it over. Yeah. Right, um, but where that where that spaceship was coming from, where it went, why it had like all these symbiotes in containment, like how do they even get them contained? Like none of that was explained. Nope. Um, and so the whole story basically falls around Eddie Brock, who's trying to take down the Life Corporation, but they kind of figure out that he they he kind of goes too far by uh, looking at his wife's information who she's like a working her law firm is like working on a case that the life foundations uh involved with about people who have been like basically killed in like their projects um and he kind of brings that up and he gets fired and the whole story goes about him Jenny Slate is a scientist at the company and she kind of contacts him and try cuz she knows that he he's an investigative type journalist character and he she basically gets him into the life foundation where he Runs into Venom, um, gets infected by Venom because it infects like this uh, homeless person he knew, um, and that's how the story kind of unfolds that way. And there's also this other symbiote who that initially escaped from J. Jonah Jameson, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's son, who mm-hmm. they kind of uh, what are they what's his name? Um, something they they say Jameson. I'm like, oh, so they're actually they're they're kind of trying to do some easter eggs but there's no connection to like the original stuff right um 
it escapes and it's like slowly making its way to Riz Ahmed, which I'd never, I didn't quite understand. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, quite no. understand that. <laughs> like this whole movie, it's like planes, trains, and automobiles. It's way to like, to Riz Ahmed. Tell me why it took fucking six months for that thing to get there. By the way, where was it? Was it not in Was it not in San Francisco? It took a plane. Like it, it took this whole. I think it was in like Malaysia. Where, where did it crash at the beginning of the movie? I don't they know. It crashed in another country. It, it wasn't San Francisco. Yeah, see, that kind of escaped me. I'm like, wasn't it in San Francisco? Like, why did it take it so long? They kill a bunch of um, people of color because you always have to have a people of color die yes. first in a movie. Um, and then like it like forms itself around someone else and like starts just travel to like Riz Ahmed's character in San Francisco but like it's doing the traveling and then they have the time jump and then somewhere after the time jump which is six months later is when, when you see it get off of a plane mm-hmm. and get to San Francisco I'm like dude it took you six months to get there how long like, how long have you been <laughs> like, traveling say what yeah like how long has this been traveling like it made no yeah, sense like it made none of this movie made any fucking sense um dude. and apparently there's this whole plot line that the symbiote has to bond perfectly with a subject right. in order for it to like you know fully become like a joint entity Right. And so the, I think a lot of their subjects were dying because it wasn't bonding yeah. appropriately. And if even when it was bonding, it would just end up like eating the host from the inside. Right. Um, which is I think why I think the 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 one black subject they had, I think it actually had bonded, but it wasn't mm. feeding them. Right. So I think it just started eating itself from internally yeah. because it wasn't feeding it anything. Um I'll I'll say this much. I didn't hate this movie. I didn't. Per- I didn't particularly think it was like the greatest movie. I thought it was pretty. Like I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not a great movie. But I took. I took my little brother to watch it. He enjoyed it. I'm like, I guess it's fun. Like it's. Pr- like I had. I had low expectations, anyways. And I'm like, so here's here's my thing. Yeah. I didn't hate this movie either, but it's still a flaming piece of trash. No, it's. I think like, it's. I pretty enjoyed dumb. myself it's, yeah. because like I was laughing at the absurdness of it. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't think by any stretch of the word, or can you say that this movie is good at all? No, it's like, a bad movie. It's like an early two thousands. Like it feels like in like a a movie yeah. from Arago. It doesn't make a lot I of sense. Think, I do think they know that though. Yes. So like they doubled down into like the stupidity of the movie. I did think um, the Venom stuff for the most part works for me. Mm-hmm. Like I thought they character like uh, the characterization of Venom was pretty spot on. Um. Riot was kind of cool, I guess, to just to see another comparison. Yeah. Um, I do think they kind of lost a lot from not making this movie rated R. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, they also lost a lot by not having anything related to Spider-Man in this movie. Yes, a lot. Um, I do think that I don't get Tom Harding's acting choices sometimes. Like, I don't know why he had to do a New York accent. I feel like he's like, I will sign on to this movie. Under the condition that I get to I mean, do a really bad uh, West, uh, East Coast, New York, sometimes Chicago, sometimes <clears throat> both. Accent. Yeah, because let me put it this way. As someone who was just in New York for four days and saw this movie in New York, most people don't have an accent. Like yeah. there, were only, I, I only, there were only certain people that I was around that had an accent and it was nowhere near the portrayal that you see like in movies or on television. Yeah, yeah. Um. Like, he didn't need to do that for us to believe that he was from New York. Um, yeah, it was a weird choice. It was a weird accent choice. Uh, I didn't really get it. Um, Tom, uh, Eddie Brock's character is kind of all over the place for me. Oh, yeah. He kind of doesn't, like, he's, like, this super successful lawyer. I'm sorry, successful <laughs> journalist, but then he's also, like, a complete asshat loser most of the time. And he's a dumbass, And he's too. a dumbass. And he seems to be partly enjoying himself and terrified most of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was fun enough. Um, I like like when he made the stupid mistake of like getting the information from his uh, fiance's computer and then got caught. And his um, editor was like, well, what's your source? He's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, like, how long have you been idiot. doing this job that you don't know? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like you have your own like you are so successful. You have like your own TV show. Yeah. And also that just that like you don't seem like a person who could have like really do that kind of a demanding job. Not at all. No. I like how he's riding a stupid ass motorcycle everywhere. 
I will say more than other movies that are set in San Francisco, like even Ant Man no, and stuff. You better not, because I'm about to go in on that. Okay, you hold better on, hold not. On, hold on. This movie actually look felt like San Francisco to me. Like, look, look. Dude, we're gonna have a fucking fight Why? right now. Because the thing is, this like, movie felt nothing like San Francisco for me. It did because like um, Ant Man and the Wasp. I kind of felt like they only like used those movies. Feel like San Francisco to me. I don't know. Like I've I recognize a lot of the set locations on this movie like a lot of it was north beach a lot of it was north beach um, okay that's what you said okay i'll i'll let you finish and then i'll i'll say what i'm saying because i'm saying something different oh okay so a lot of it was north beach a lot of it was um where i used to work like they filmed a lot in front of um what's that uh off the embarcadero where the embarcadero right right you know like right off there there was a lot um some of it was Chinatown, but it could have been like again. It didn't really under, like anybody who lives in San Francisco was like, "Listen, you were in North Beach, and now you're in Chinatown. Like, come on, son. That's yeah. that's you're gonna have to take a couple buses." But yeah, overall, like I felt like this movie actually felt like it was shot in San Francisco and not like they just used a lot of exterior shots and then shot the rest of it in LA. So I don't a hundred percent agree with that. Like I, I, I to a certain extent, like there were some recognizable places for me, but I do. I also know that they actually didn't film most of the movie in San Francisco. Like they did a lot of the thing, like um, where they'll do exterior shots and then kind of green screen it into the, um, like they'll film on a green screen and then green screen in like the city backdrop. Like, so that I think they were only, they only did some on site stuff in San Francisco for maybe like a week, I believe. Um, and everything else was just stuff that they like filmed and green screened in. But what I mean when I say it didn't feel like San Francisco was just like the presence of the city was completely off from from what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like to to what it actually feels like, right? So like one of the big the big glaring things for me um were Eddie's living situations oh. both with his fiance and and um, when he broke up with her so Ridiculous. it's just like they're living in this nice place or whatever in san francisco he's an investigative journalist she's a lawyer that makes sense initially yeah that they you could, could afford, afford that north beach apartment then but then when they do this six months later and they show you in the nice fucking you know loft that he's living in it's bigger than my entire house now and he hasn't had a job for six months and before he went into his apartment he just gave a homeless woman on the street 20 bucks again while he doesn't have a job that's not realistic to san francisco whatsoever not, like even listen even if like, you had money squirreled away the movie, like even if you have money like, squirreled away like yeah. that apartment in itself is costing you an arm and a leg. Do you know how much room in that place? That he had like two rooms. Yeah, he would have been he would have been kicked out of that place within two months if that was realistic. Oh, for sure. Um, and then the fact that he gave, like I said, he gave the homeless woman twenty dollars. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, no, you wouldn't. If you were broke living in San Francisco, you would not do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I do think uh, then- Riz's character was kind of wasted. Cause he was like he didn't have any real motivation. Like he had like pretty like generic like eh, humans. Huh. He just had yeah. like a lot of lame ass like. They're so basic. They're so basic. Like we are meant to do so much more. Humanity is a parasite. You're a parasite. Like it's like a very generic. Like he was doing his best with a really shitty script. I feel like so everyone was praising everyone's performances and i feel like no one really had a good performance uh, i think it was serviceable for the what they were like doing like i don't think it was like over- i mean i think they like you said they did the best that they could do yeah. but i don't think anyone's performance stood out to me no like this movie sucks but this guy's doing a great job no i don't think it's like that i did enjoy venom's again i i i did enjoy his dialogue most I think Venom was the best part of the movie for me. Right. Cause I think a lot of his like quippy lines, it's like, uh, he's like, she doesn't know that we're going to get back together. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. I don't understand why they think it's very convoluted. Why this alien parasite host that eats people is now suddenly interested in humans because of Eddie. Yeah. And also, I think the intent for that was that he resonated with Eddie so much because he he realized that Eddie was an outsider and he felt like an outsider himself. So I think when they bonded, that's part of the reason why it was so easy for them to bond. So then he's like, he cares more about humanity because he sees a little bit of himself in them. I think that was the intent, but I don't think they did yeah, a good they didn't job. Yeah, really come off like that. 
Um, um, and why why was did Riot know that? I guess Riot was on its way to Riz Ahmed because they knew that he was the leader of the Life Corporation. But did they know that he was going to be a perfect Bond, or was that just like a happenstance? Maybe he was trying to get to the rest of his symbiotes. Yeah, that's probably but... it too. But uh, I don't think any other other ones made it out. They didn't. Or at least besides Carnage, which I have no idea. It would have to be a piece of one of them. Or maybe uh, maybe after Riot and him dies, more symbiotes come to yeah. try and figure out what happens. Who knows? That was trash, though, with Woody Harrelson. Yeah. That fucking wig, dude. Like, look, that carrot top fucking look wig at, he had oh on. God. Like, they went too... They leaned way into that they shit. They definitely went, like, super hard for... Uh... What's his name? Uh, what's Carnage's name? I forget what his his real name is. Yeah, but they went they leaned in extra hard, and I've always I think I've liked Carnage a little more than I liked Venom because Carnage was always more um more vicious. Like Carnage uh-huh. was like the um like the like unhinged like where Venom sowed a little bit of restraint and character. Yeah. Where Cletus Classity, and when he becomes Carnage, it's like just like this crazy maniac, terrifying, like really volatile. Um, I also thought it was super corny when he was like, "When I get out of here, there's gonna a be a sequel, Carnage." Carnage. <laughs> so hey, like I can't believe he didn't just wink to the camera, and then the whole cast comes out For and they real. start dancing. Yeah, like, all right, this was our movie. <laughs> they do like a Slumdog okay. Millionaire so, end of the movie where everyone starts here, dancing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing really quick, and I think this is why this movie, for a lot of people, well, I will say before I go into this, mm-hmm. a lot of people also like this movie. A lot of people do. Um, a lot of people seem to enjoy this movie, which I get. But it's, I th- just, it's enjoyable enough. For me and a big group of people, I think why it really doesn't work is the same problem we had with it when they announced it is about, I really... I'm speaking for myself, not everyone, because I know most people like Venom. But I've never been like – I feel like I missed the wave on the whole symbiote thing. Like I've, uh, I know I know, I know, know most things about Venom, Venom's adult character. But like my favorite things about Venom are related to Spider-Man mm. and Peter Parker. So like I don't, I've never I – like I, I loved the cartoon when I was a kid and I know Venom was a big part of that show. But I've never been as obsessed with Venom as a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. And but I, but I always thought the coolest thing about him was how it kind of filtered through Peter Parker, and then got to Eddie Brock, who had, and then when Eddie Brock kind of had an animosity towards Peter Parker, he shared that with the symbiote, right. and that's why. And that makes it total sense. One of, uh, Spider-Man's like biggest villain, you know. Um, but without doing that, it's just it's it's really kind of a waste to me especially with how this movie goes out of its way to basically sh- show you that eddie brock is at least kind of a decent person and he's like if we're gonna be you know eating people they've got to be bad people right so it's just like i know the plans for this were you know if this movie's successful they do a couple venom movies and then if those movies are successful they're gonna try since sony still technically owns the rights to spider-man they're gonna um basically try and integrate Spider-Man into this shared universe of Sony movies that they're making without him. Right. And that's just not going to make any sense to me. Whereas you kind of built this Venom character to be kind of more of an anti-hero kind of doing the wrong things for the right reasons, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Whereas like, if you just suddenly pluck Spider-Man out of the MCU and put him in this, why is he going to not like Spider-Man when you kind of, you're planting your seeds to be Venom's only going to be, eating and killing bad people. Spider-Man is never bad. Right, right. So what's your animosity there? Yeah, you that know? doesn't quite line up at all. It's, it's trash. And I'm 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 actually really mad because this movie did really well in the first week. But then I had a really um, big drop off. It's still Saturday though. Will we do they have the numbers for this weekend yet? Uh no, but the the drop off for even Friday was really big. Okay. Well, hopefully it doesn't do too good where they're just like too too much like in their on their high horse about it because like if it's successful, that's just justifying it for them to keep doing. They're gonna it. make another one. Bad. 
I think so. They're going to do the Well, they're going to make another one for sure. But my, my worry is that they're really going to because Spider-Man's last movie in this contract they have with Sony is the Far From Home movie, which is the first movie after Avengers 4. That, is that it? Right. That's it. They can always renegotiate. But I think Sony, like I said, is trying to build this universe without him. And if they feel like it's a successful universe, they can pluck him from the MCU and keep Tom Holland and basically just make Sony movies with, with Tom Holland. I don't see I'm that afraid, happening. I'm afraid of that. I don't, I don't see that happening because I do think, one, the roster for, for the MCU is about to get a little shorter after the next movie. Uh, that plus the fact that Spider Man's such a big sell that I do feel like, yeah, I don't think I don't see that happening. But it's weird. This I hope not. Movie, like but Sony clearly doesn't make good decisions, and it really when this contract is up, the MCU literally can't do anything. Sony has to. I mean, in, the MCU can to, can ask to renegotiate to have Spider Man in more movies, but Sony could totally be like, no. Yeah. Like to, Sony has full control over this situation. It would behoove them to not do that because, yeah, they're going to be still making so much money just with the deal they have with the MCU. But if they're building this universe without him, the plan is to bring him back. Mm -hmm. Also, like Michelle Williams character, and I get it somewhat because she had. How did you feel about her bonding with Venom for like a little bit and becoming like the female Venom? Trash. Trash. I didn't. Like that whole thing is trash. I was indifferent. Um. But my, oh my my God. thing is, by the end of it, the tone takes, like, y'all should be, a, like, he's carrying around a, a like, alien, sharp-toothed alien that eats people, and y'all are treating it like it's, like, his new pet dog. Yep. They're like, oh, that Venom, I miss him. I, I'm sorry he's also, gone. I, love, I just love how dumb the characters were. Oh, yeah. So, like, when Eddie was in the car with Michelle Williams' character, and... He basically started telling her all of his weaknesses, um, all the symbiote's weaknesses. And then they use that in literally the next scene. Uh She uses all that information that he just gave her to to get the symbiote off of Eddie. And then they have like an argument with her and the doctor and the symbiote escapes. I'm just like, are you guys fucking dumb? Mm -hmm. Like you should like, how did they let just everyone's dumb in this movie? And I thought that was super stupid about like the only, I feel like the only reason, um, they did that scene with her, like the the symbiote on Michelle Williams was was they needed a way to get the symbiote to Eddie, right? And and, and that was the only way to do it. I do think that um, while I again I enjoyed this movie purely on like I guess my expectations were super low, so I was like enjoying it just as like my turning my mind off and enjoying Venom say quippy things, and I'm like, <laughs> and I would laugh at all the stupid shit they would do in the movie. I'm like, yeah, it's dumb. Mm-hmm. You. First and like Eddie Brock's character is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think overall it's like just a fun sort of movie you can watch and not think about too much. Um I do think they there's a big misstep here where they could have made this into a really fun like buddy cop movie. I also think it took a really long time for Venom to show up. Yes. Um, where I think if they just started this movie off, one, why did you have to make, like, you didn't have to make Eddie Brock a successful reporter. Had you made him a struggling uh, reporter, it would have made so much more sense. Yeah. It would have made, it would have made him losing his um, fiance that much more. It would have made that hit home more. Because if, if he was kind of a struggling journalist living with a successful lawyer, you already have that weird dynamic where he probably feels like he's inferior and doesn't deserve her. Mm-hmm. And then if he ends up winding up losing her, that hits home a lot more than him being a super successful dude right. who could pretty much kind of stand on his own. Um, yeah, that whole thing about like them showing us him losing his desires at the beginning of the movie, it was trash. Like it didn't work at yeah. all. Like we didn't one, we didn't have enough time to understand why he appreciated the things he appreciated. And then when he yanked them, when he when he had them yanked from him, like we just didn't care. Like also, like the, again, this movie has like a lot of tonal tonal issues. Like at the end of the movie, where that um, the the Asian lady that he, I guess rents, I guess she's renting out the place to him because she, or like you know he lives next to that. I, does he live above the the convenience store? Or does he live near the convenience store? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's. I think it's near. It's near that lady who uh, is getting like um, shake down 
Um, yeah. And he he eats. They have the scene from the trailer where he eats the guy. Yeah. Why isn't that lady totally and utterly freaked out? Why isn't she like permanently <laughs> yeah, traumatized for her entire life? She's done. She's like, oh, and he's like, sorry, I have a parasite, and he just walks yeah, away. Yeah, why aren't you traumatized for the rest of your life because this alien just ate this guy whole? Yep. Also, can we talk about his neighbor who's like rocking out all the time? Yeah, yeah. That scene where they first show Eddie getting super annoyed, and he like opens his door and just like looks like he has like an aneurysm. Yeah. That shit was so fucking corny, dude. Apparently, he tried to ad lib a lot of stuff into this movie, and a lot of it didn't work. <laughs> and a lot of it didn't went. work, and that seemed like one of the things that made it because it it was like a it came full circle when Venom came out. But it was bad. It was really bad. It was like, <laughs> what are you doing right now? Like, who does that? Yeah. <laughs> this is not Tom. Bri- For me, this is not Tom Hardy's brightest moment. No, not at all. This is if if if. If The Revenant is his, you know, best performance, this is probably his worst. I don't know. I'm not, I'm like not totally sold on the Tom Hardy thing. Like, I'm not a huge Tom Hardy fan. I've liked him in most things I've seen. I'm cool with him. It's just like, I'm not like, oh, Tom Hardy, worship at the altar. Oh, yeah. No, me either. But I I genuinely tend to like the movies that he's in. And I think generally he does an okay job. Um, Uh, But I'm not like sipping the Kool-Aid. So yeah, so uh, versus this versus Bane, who do you pick? Uh, just purely on character, not movie. I'd have to pick Bane because <laughs> even though Dark Knight Rises, right? That's Bane. Yeah. Even though that movie is uh, okay, it yeah. is t- still ten thousand times well made. And I don't even really like his portrayal of Bane in that movie. Either he, he was, he, I, he was I like, very memeable. I like, very memeable. Very memeable. I mean, I, I like the the motivations that the character has, mm-hmm. but I don't really like. I mean, they they you know, for all intents and purposes, they whitewashed him. Oh, for sure. Oh. Um, let's give this movie a quick rating, and then I want to talk about the. Did you watch the post post credit scene? I actually didn't. But oh, I, I know what it, is. it was so good. It was worth sitting through that movie. If you did, I, I enjoyed the movie. For what it, like I, you can tell me about it because me and my my uh, me and one of the other people from BNP walked out. Well, we all walked out because I was like, I think there's two post credit scenes, and everyone was like, no, nah, it was only one. So we all walked out, and then me and someone else like started heading down the escalators, and then we thought the other was went to the bathroom and then it was like 20 minutes later and we we're like what happened to you guys they're like oh yeah there was another post credit scene i was mad yeah <laughs> i was like damn it i want to see that um uh, what did the most of bmp agreed that it was trash the movie yeah. yeah um so post post credit scene was like a extra long like sort of sneak uh is extra long trailer ish kind of deal it was uh-huh. more like a scene from the new into the spider-verse movie mm-hmm it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Basically, it shows like Miles in a... So what I think the... Because I didn't know this before because the trailer didn't really explain this. But one, Prowler looks cool. Because mm-hmm. Prowler's like chasing him around. And I'm like, yo, Prowler looks dope. Uh, number two, there was a Spider-Man in his universe too. That's in the second trailer. Is So the second trailer came out like around... Like, I think the week of New York Comic Con. Is that the one where they show all the other Spider-Man and stuff? Yes. I didn't I didn't catch the other Spider-Man in that. So, basically, up until that second trailer, you just get the sense that, like... Uh, so, I I got the sense that, that Peter Parker from this movie was his Spider-Man. That was... That's what I was thinking. No, is no, like, it's not. Is he... Is he was Spider Man, and then Miles was kind of doing his own thing. But what it really is is basically the way that the comic exactly. was. Um, whereas Peter Parker was Spider Man, but then he died, and now and like there was like no overlap. So this Peter is from another universe. So basically, they're doing first they're basically saying that Miles is actually the Ultimate Universe Miles. Exactly. Um, that, and like the whole plot line like completely matches the Ultimate Universe where. Peter Parker dies right, right. and he takes over and that's why he doesn't reckon like he must look different like that older Peter Parker must look different because he doesn't recognize him. Um, right, I think Peter in in the um, 
in the Ultimate Universe died when he was like in his twenties. Right, but even aged up, he should have still recognized him. I think he. That's what I'm thinking, at least. I don't know. I don't think he ever knew him. Oh, that's right. He maybe he didn't know that Peter Parker. He just knew Spider Man. I mean, he knew who Spider Man was. Right, he didn't know Peter Parker. And then Spider Man right. died, and that's when when he got his powers, he was no. You he know, didn't know Peter Parker because he went to Peter Parker's grave, in the in the thing. Because I guess his you, identity in the trailer. In the trailer, he goes to Peter Parker's grave, and his identity gets gets revealed when he dies. And they're all setting flowers down. And they're like, "Oh, you know." He's like, "I can't do this." Um, Wait, trailer for this movie? Yeah, in the in the sneak peek. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of like uh, in the post post credit scene. Oh, well, see, so I, I see, see in the post post credit okay. scene, he goes to Peter Parker's grave after chasing around Prowler. Um, or Powler's chasing him around, and he's like, I can't do this. And that's when the older Spider-Man uh, shows up, and he's like, who are you? And then he sees a web, mm-hmm. his web slinger, and he's like, no way. It was a really, really cool sneak peek. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really excited also, for the movie. So I think Peter from this is supposed to be like the the main universe Peter, but also, did you see the shots? Well, I guess, did you see the second trailer? I did. At With, all with Spider-Man uh, Noir and... Spider Ham. Well, because in the second trailer, when he basically talks about how, like, I'm from another universe um, or whatever, th- when he's explaining all the things that he's done in his life, because he's an older Spider Man, like they they have callbacks to Spider Man One yes, and Spider Man yes, Two. Yes, yes, I saw that during like the little sn- sn- like uh, clips. Yeah. There's like yeah. callbacks to like, uh, on the train when he kisses yes, MJ upside yeah, down yeah. and all that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that made me so happy. I'm like, this is Tobey Maguire. Yeah. In my head, this is just this is yep. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Continue. Mm. Uh, let's give this movie a quick grade and um, wrap it up. Um, are we doing it out of symbiotes? Let's do it out of five. How many symbiotes did they show? I'm gonna think. I'm gonna just say there were five symbiotes in the movie. Four. I think there was only four. There was Riot. There was one that the Jenny Slate one that died. Mm. Um, there was. The one that was in the black yeah. dude and then Venom. So out of four symbiotes. Uh, I'm going to give it... <laughs> I'll give it a one out of four. <laughs> Ooh, that's mean. Again, like, I, I didn't hate this movie, but I'm never going to watch it again. Seems like you <laughs> seems like you, kinda, you hated this movie. No, I enjoyed yeah, it. you can say you hated it. Hate it. Like, it's okay. I'm not, I, I really didn't hate it, but I'm not going to watch it. I have no desire to watch this movie again. Like, it was a one-time thing. Uh, I would give this movie a 2.5 out of 4. Okay. Which I I I acknowledge it's a trash ass movie, but I didn't hate it. My stand my stakes were my uh my standards were pretty low on this. Uh it is a trash ass movie. It's poorly written. Um they kind of missed a lot of opportunities. Tom Hardy's fucking trash in this movie. Like what is he doing half the time with that accent? Um, his character makes zero sense. Uh, Riz Ahmed is like wasted as a, such an amazing actor, which they did. They give the most like generic villain type characteristics to, he's like, basically like, this is the, the, I bet the screenwriters are like, listen, what if Tesla was evil? Now hear me out. Cause that's exactly what they did. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, but my little brother enjoyed it and everyone in the theater seemed to enjoy it for the most part. So it's not like, again, it in the era of like amazing, amazing people, movies we're getting, this is pretty people trash. Also, like Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, well, they do. People also. But you're angry about but, those. No, I'm angry. Remember, I'm I'm like a I I acknowledge that BVS is like a a gigantic horrible train wreck, but I find there's something like. Em. Oh, I'm sorry, Justice League. People like Justice League. Uh, people do like Justice League. <laughs> For me, Justice League is far more egregious. Yeah, it's bad. Like for me, just like how do you make a movie with all the staples of DC movies and miss the mark so bad? It was also such a poorly like I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. Uh, it was just so poorly made, so so sad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, don't rush out. Like I'd say, watch this on DVD. Like if you're like on the fence about watching this, I, I was like, what? oh yeah, if you've never seen it, sure. But if you've seen it, don't waste your time. Don't you don't yeah, need to you watch don't like it need to run to the theaters to watch it. Just wait for it to come on DVD. Uh, you know, it's not amazing, but you might get a few laughs, and it's uh, Venom is kind of entertaining, so. If you like quote unquote comic book moments, you'll probably love yes. this movie. Okay. Uh Morgan, where can they find you? Uh they can find me at Millennial and oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm drunk. They can find me at Millennial on Instagram and Twitter. It's M O E L L E N N I A L. 
Uh, also on millennial.com, we can see all the trash that I've written in my life. Um, and blacknerdproblems.com, where I review Justice League and do interviews and stuff like that. Uh, you can find me at Shabbat Kazia on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, um, and Google Play Music every Mondays. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Melanin Minute. That's M-E-L-A-N-I-N-M-I-N-U-T-E. And uh, that's all, folks. Goodbye. Also, give us a five-star review, and I may give you a shout-out in my bad Venom voice. No. no but I won't. Hello. Pancreas. Pancreas. <laughs> Bye.